Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. While I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. But when I call out to the door, I hear no call from the hall. Instead a raven enters swiftly, swiftly moves onto the floor. This is no ordinary raven, tapping at the door of Craven, but an ally sorcerer with news, my nemesis has ensnared my love Lenore. From here we leave on trusty steed to save my beloved damsel, for I will not stand for such an injustice. Maybe before, but never more. This is It Records. Welcome back to the It Records podcast, all you creatures of the night. Thank you for joining us. I am here. I am one of your hosts, Matt Johnson. And I'm joined with always the other host of the show, the other Peter two. Hanson and Lindsay <laughs> Clark. They're here as well. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we're we're just subbing for the real people. I appreciate that you guys have been doing it for so for so long. Uh, I really appreciate you guys stepping up to the plate. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know those those other guys are just really sick right now. Yeah, they've been going through some stuff. <laughs> oh, that's great. We understand. Well, thanks for tuning in. I was going to give a synopsis of the film um, and tell you what the film was, but before I do that, uh, Peter. Do you have a creepy headline or anything for us uh, on the podcast? Oh, uh, no. The last time I tried, it crashed my computer, so I'm going to avoid... Oh, that's that. right. That's right. <laughs> what? That's a- so that's your creepy headline, is that last time... This is take two of us recording this episode, and I was looking up a creepy headline for this exact episode, and it crashed my computer. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, okay, you know, maybe it's a good thing that I don't do these very often. <laughs> That's true. It not only crashed your computer, but it corrupted <laughs> the file on the computer as well. It's It went into your computer. Well, well, here's the funny thing is, though, I recorded on my phone. Oh. So there's two <laughs> devices that went wrong for yeah. me. That went wrong for you. Yeah, she really... So it's just like this whole episode is cursed. It really is. That's your. Cre- that's my creepy. Yeah, that's more of a. That's a very that to uh, close to home here. creepy headline. Yeah, I was very pissed <laughs> off when it happened. <laughs> um, so for this week on the podcast, if you picked up on the poem that I was using in the intro, we did the 1963 film The Raven, directed by Roger Corman. Not the 1955 <laughs> version or the John Cusack version you may be more familiar with. This is 1963. Our first Roger Corman film. Or the 30s version. Yeah. The one with Bela Lugosi. Yeah. I believe it's Bela Lugosi yeah, and the, 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 the other guy. The guy who's in this movie. I Boris Karloff? Yeah, yeah, him. Isn't, isn't it both of them? In the Raven in the thirties, yeah, Boris Karloff is in that version, and he's in this this one as well. So he's in two different versions of the Raven, two very different interpretations of the Raven as well. I mean, I couldn't tell you what the other Raven is about. I didn't even know it existed until yeah. I looked it up. Yeah, well, it follows more in line with the poem as much as you can. Make. Them. I guess this doesn't really follow it the poem just, uh, except for the end and the beginning. Yeah. 
kind of deal. Yeah, this <laughs> movie kind of diverts from that pretty yeah. much. It kind of goes all over the place. It, this one, um, directed by Roger Corbin, 1963, stars Boris Karloff, as we said, Vincent Price, um, is it Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson, is it? Yeah, young, Jack very young Jack Nicholson and Peter, Peter Laurie as well as in this one. So it's a star-studded cast, mm-hmm. but the movie begins with the the poem. Vincent Price is reading the poem that um, I briefly spoke to at the beginning, um, but then it takes a turn when the Raven actually enters Vincent Price's study, uh, because it turns out it's Peter mm. Laurie who is trapped in the, the body of a Raven, and they're both sorcerers of some sort, which I know is not in the poem. Yeah, they they took liberties with this poem for sure. Yeah, it definitely departs from an Edgar Allan Poe, a macabre Gothic type poem, which this would generally fall under in the horror genre, that Gothic uh, time period, uh, ghosts and architecture and whatnot. But it turns into like a slapstick kind of horror comedy, I'd say. Yeah, they definitely don't take themselves yeah. too seriously with this movie, which is probably for the better, because there's not a whole lot to go off of. Obviously, like you said, it's a poem. You know, how long is a poem? And they're making like almost like yeah. an hour and a half movie out of it. Yeah. It's... Yeah. So the humor is definitely part of its charm, because there's not. It's kind of a thin mm. plot. Yes, it is. <laughs> Very thin. Like, I couldn't tell you what, like, the middle 45 minutes was. I can't even remember. I, I just remember it was, like, them trying to get to Peter Lorre's castle or something. Like, it was just, like, a bunch of, like, kind of like, oh, let's get distracted over here. <laughs> yeah, it it, yeah. it seemed like they had kind of the framework of what the story would be. Um, but Peter Lorre becomes this human and says that, you know... Uh, I wanted to say Sassafras, but what is Boris Karloff's name? He's like the sorcerer. Do you remember what his name was? Oh, God. Uh, Let's just call him Sassafras. I hope. I think we should just call him Sassafras. Scarabus is his name. Dr. Scarabus. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I like Sassafras better. Same thing. Basically Uh, the same thing. Peter Laurie's character basically tells him, uh, Vincent Price, that Scarabus has his love Lenore who he thought has been dead for two years and then we kind of have like 40 minutes I feel like of just trying to get to Scarabus's castle it's kind of slowly paced in there of slapstick humor as well some improv by Peter Lorre yeah I was like I would say he's probably the highlight of the movie Mm -hmm. is Peter Lorre I haven't seen him in I would say almost anything, because I've never seen M, which I think is his most famous role. Yeah, he's in Casablanca as well. And then... Okay, I don't remember that at all, actually. I've seen that movie, but I don't remember mm-hmm. him in it. Yeah. Um, But I do like him in this movie. I think he's, like, very fun. And he treats Jack Nicholson so poorly, who I didn't even realize it was him until, like, he took his hat off. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, shit, that's Jack Nicholson, because he didn't have his, like, deep like characteristic voice for him like he sounded so different until like he got his crazy eyes when he was like driving the wagon like it kind of like like I still didn't notice yeah. it was him but like like I was like I was like he looks 
familiar. <laughs> That's when the Jack we know came out when he was a crazed, yeah, crazed exactly. carriage driver. Yeah. yeah, you know, he brought his shining character out. Yeah. <laughs> his Jack Torrance character. <laughs> this was just the lead up to it. This. Yeah. Forty years in the making, or however long it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe. Um, this could be wrong. That Jack Nicholson was also in another one of Roger Corman's films. Corman did like the Poe series. He did like eight of them. This is the fifth one in the series. And I think. Well, I can tell you what we had this conversation yeah. before. Sorry to interrupt you. He's in Little Shop of Horrors, which Roger Corman. There we go. Did that one. The, I think that's what it was. Yep. And yeah. I think this is also like two or three podcasts in a row that Jack Nicholson, in some fashion or another, has been brought up. He make, makes his way yes. into the podcast. Instead <laughs> of six degrees of Kevin Bacon, it is six degrees of Jack, Jack Nicholson yeah. right now. It seems like it. He just spontaneously <laughs> will come up. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I mentioned the Poe series, which this is part of, and Corman did. Um, and Richard Matheson wrote this. He wrote a few of the other ones. Um, and he's a fairly famous screenwriter. But Vincent Price was in, was he in most of the other ones? Um, yeah, he was in a good chunk yeah. of them. He was, oh God. I know he did um, Pit and the Pendulum, which I believe is mm-hmm. a Poe. Um, what's the other one? Is it like Red Mask? Not Mask. What is it? Uh, ma- the Mask of Amontillado. Ma- masquerade. Yeah. The Red That's Masquerade, masquerade I think, is one, but the the uh, uh, Lindsay has one as well. What'd you say, Lindsay? I'm acting like I know Paul, but I don't. <laughs> I mean, you you don't know that. You probably do. I was thinking of the cask of Amontillado, but I don't think that's what you were thinking of. Yeah, but that, that is Poe, though. There's another. Yeah. I don't even know Poe. I just know movie titles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Red Mask. The Mask of the Red Death. There it is. Yes. The Mask of the Red Death. Published 1842. So the Poe cycle included The Pit and the Pendulum, House of Usher, Pre. Premature Burial, That's a house Tale of Terror, also as Vincent Price, and Peter Lorre, The Raven, The Haunted Place, Mask of the Red Death, The Tomb of Ligeria, The Terror, and The Oblong Box. Oh, wow, he did a shit The Terror has Jack Nicholson, Boris Karloff as well, Vincent Price is in The Oblong Box, Christopher Lee's in that as well. Um, yeah, Vincent Price is in a lot of these. So, yeah. They had a lot of, they probably had a lot of fun time doing those. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, and that, I mean that speaks to this film where um, it seemed like we we know that from the production there was a lot of improv in these films. Yeah, um, yeah. Too like, much of Boris Karloff uh, dismay because he's yeah. such a classically trained actor that he right. was getting really annoyed with Peter Lorre. And then this is from Vincent Price's words actually, because I had uh, I had the Blu-ray of this and it had an intro of Vincent Price saying how much fun they had, and he's like, Peter Lorre was doing this, and Boris Karloff was doing that, and he's like, and I was in the middle. <laughs> right. he's, like a, he's like a classically Vince- trained guy, but I, w- I would say Vincent Price has a really good sense of humor. Yeah, he didn't care, like, which way the wind blew with that one, but it seems like Peter Lorre and Boris Karloff really clashed over the 
ad-libbing. Yeah. Yeah, because Boris Kloff just doesn't do that. Doesn't <laughs> do that. Yeah. You read what's on the paper. Which I wonder how much of what was on the paper actually happened in that end of the film fight scene. <laughs> if that was all script. Yeah. Oh, God. I don't yeah. know. Because we get uh, Vincent Price and Peter Lorre make it to the castle of Scarabus, and they basically are taken prisoner, and Vincent Price breaks out, and there is, a, I would say, a conservatively 15 minute duel, 10 minute maybe. It was very long. It, it was. Yeah. It is definitely a highlight of the movie because, like, like we said, it kind of slogs mm. in the middle, and then all of a sudden you're like, "All right, send that chair, and I'm going to send that chair across from you. It's time to duel." <laughs> One of the most entertaining <laughs> seated like, duels. It was like yeah. The most laid back duel I've ever seen. <laughs> I, yeah, I were... did like how it was very corny. <laughs> yeah, it didn't take it. Like it was just like a little shooting little lasers at each other. <laughs> <laughs> or making a snake appear around your neck. And it was like, you go, then I go. You go, then I go. It's like, back and <laughs> forth, back and forth. It wasn't... Did you guys think of Harry Potter versus Draco Malfoy? <laughs> there was a little bit of that, I think, yeah. uh, that inspired Harry Potter, right. I guess. Right. Are you... Yeah, it's like, you wish. Yeah. <laughs> you scared Scarabus? <laughs> Something like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I see it. It, 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 it was a... <laughs> Hogwarts-like castle they were in. Don't you yeah. think? Which it was a reused set, right, from all the other films in the Poe series? Yeah, I think it was the fourth one in the making, okay. I want to say. I think it was what Vincent Price said, and then they said at this... Oh, no, this is what this was with... It, it also had an interview with Roger Corman, mm-hmm. and he was talking about the process of how, like, that he really liked the set he had for this one because it was accumulated from the past previous I think it was three movies that they did and then like this was the most extravagant of the ones up to that point yeah because they had so many sets that they were just reusing mm-hmm. and they were saying how much fun they had with the duel like they were saying like because they used a crane obviously with just like and then you know making them just like fly back and forth and Everyone just had a great time doing that. Mm-hmm, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm curious to know how they did those special effects. Because it, it, it's not CGI. I think it's drawn, like, after the fact is how they did it. You know how they did, like, Especially old, in the beginning. Like, old movies would color, mm-hmm. you know, like, old black... Yes, I think it's like, to that degree is what I'm imagining. Yeah, it's 63. I doubt they're... Putting it in for uh, CGI back then, especially with the budget. The budget was like yeah, three hundred. No, it was yeah, super especially low. With, it was yeah. basically all on screen. I feel like between Karloff, Price, and Laurie. Yeah. No, oh, yeah. Roger Corman when, during his interview, he was saying that obviously there wasn't CGI at that point, and he was like pretty proud of what he was able to do with the technology they had and I was just like wait how did he do it yeah <laughs> yeah I think that's kind of impressive if we're sitting here how many years later asking how he did it yeah yeah it's just cause like that, that type of style is just like I would say almost dead 
they might have like obviously like a few like filmmakers from school probably like oh like you know there's always somebody that yeah tries to now there's still people that that cut film like even though like no one really knows how to cut film anymore mm-hmm. like all these lost arts that yeah, just to preserve it are taught to some degree yeah just to preserve it well I mentioned the box uh the box office but the budget was three hundred fifty thousand. Do you guys know if this was a uh, a box office success or a flop? What what is your? I know, I know. It's I know success. this. Hang on, okay. hang on. Give me a second. It was a box office success. Oh yeah, it was like one point five million. Is what it made. Whoa. So. Yeah. And it's still. Pretty high on Rotten Tomatoes. People still seem to enjoy this film. It's like ninety-four percent. I feel. Yeah. Like. No, it's not that high, is it? I, I thought, thought it was, was more mid-range. I, I thought it was in the sixties. Nah, I saw something in the nineties too. I swear. Yeah, maybe. I, I'll, really? I'll check the sixty-three version. Uh, maybe I was looking at a different one. No, ninety-two yeah. is is. Maybe we're looking at a different. It's a oh, price. Maybe I was looking at the wrong one then. Maybe it was. Uh, are you looking at John Cusack again? <laughs> John Cusack's The Raven. I know you're a big fan of Johnny Q. No. no. <laughs> I mean, I like him in... What do I like him in? I'm sure I like him in... Con- say Anything. That's pretty Con- good. <gasps> can we talk about Say Anything another time? <laughs> <laughs> we can. I like no, uh, High Fidelity. High Fidelity is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and also Serendipity. I have never seen it. We cannot. You, you guys need to watch it. Um, I won't make you do a podcast about it because it doesn't really fit the genre. <laughs> but hot we'll tub talk time machine. I like the first hot tub time machine. <laughs> the, first hot, the first hot tub time machine was all right. The second one, it didn't really didn't really do it for no. me. <laughs> no, that's not Well, uh, with that, do you guys have anything else to add before we defend or destroy? The, the right. I have a question for you. I can't guarantee an answer, but I'll give it my shot, my best shot. As if, as if you haven't talked enough. No, <laughs> uh, back to um, old talkings of horror movies is like horror significance. How would you, how would you place it? How would you talk about it? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to struggling with it myself. Like, I mean, obviously you have Corman, who is a huge producer. Very, who started so many people's careers? You got that avenue. You got Vincent Price, Peter Laurie, Boris Karloff. You got those people. Even Jack Nicholson. He's in some horror movies. Mm-hmm. But what about the movie itself? You have a lot of people significant in the horror genre. But how would you put the movie in it? It's a good question. In it would start off with, and it still holds on to these elements of the gothic horror um, with. Um, almost seems like spirits or ghosts are haunting this castle that Vincent Price lives within. Um, then you have some magical um, elements to the film with the raven. Um, and it, it kind of felt like it was going to go down that path of bringing someone back from the dead, or Lenore was a ghost and she was going to come back. Uh, Gothic horror also has those old crypts, uh, the brick castles, the, the lit torches and shadows. That's a whole element of Gothic horror. So it retains those, but then it's also, it's slapstick horror. It's not so much 
referential. It's not making fun of the genre itself, but it's very uh, has those cathartic moments of humor um, that provide levity. Kind of cheeky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it has the gothic elements, but it would fall, I think, into the slapstick horror genre. Um, kind of like Abbott and Costello's, almost uh, meet Frankenstein in Dracula and stuff like that. Where you have all those gothic elements, you have the monsters, but there's the jokes that really sell the movie. Um, kind of po- po- What's poking. your favorite Abbott Costello one? <laughs> I, I honestly think, and it's not because I just do a horror podcast, I love the meets Dracula and Frankenstein. I have that one on DVD. Uh, that one always cracks me up. I've watched that since I was like eight years old. I've only seen one of them, and I want to say... Oh, God. Is it? Is there one that's just Frankenstein, maybe? I don't know. I'm trying to remember. No, there might be, but I thought it was both of them were in one. It was Dracula, meet Dracula mm-hmm. and Frankenstein. And it was Lugosi... Maybe that's the one I... It was Lugosi and Carla. Lugosi, was it? Okay, that's probably the one I saw, and I remember Vincent Price also making a cameo appearance in it. You don't see him because he's an invisible man. Is that the one? Uh, probably, and they also Is do that... an invisible man full video, too. I didn't know that, and unfortunately it is not Vincent yeah. Price. It's just <laughs> uh, a cameo in the Meets Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah well, what, what you mentioned is, I mean, I, I kind of gave some horror significance, but as you even said, Pete, you got Nicholson who's been in horror, Karloff is the original Frankenstein in The Mummy, and Vincent Price um, are just horror legends, really. Uh, But I thought, this is the second Price movie we've done in the podcast? Or... Definitely where he's the lead. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, um... Fuck, what's it called? The Shakespeare one. Theater of Blood. Thank you. Um, he's not in, but uh, the fly. We did the Jeff Goldblum one, but he was the original film. Was in yes. The original. He makes a cameo, I guess cameo. He's like the secret bad guy in Dead Heat. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's right. I always manage to forget that. That's right. He's in it for like and five I think minutes. He makes a ca- I th- yeah, and I think he also makes a cameo in another movie he- we've done. And I can't remember. Because I, I could have sworn there was another one. There most likely is. But I could not. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Alright, so with that, do we want to... The Lindsay. Yeah, I was going to say, Lindsay, start off with <laughs> Defender Destroy. Say no more. <laughs> well, after some careful consideration, you know, it's been a few weeks since we did the first version of uh, this podcast... I have not changed my opinion. Um, I'm going to defend this movie. Um, It is, it's not the kind of movie I would have ever thought to watch for myself, um, but I really liked it. I I actually thought, like, the pace was uh, pretty fast, um, because I think it's, what, about 90 minutes or something like that, so I wasn't, like, you know, I didn't think it was dragging um, too much. Um, I really thought that Vincent Price nailed his character. I liked Peter Lorre, too. Um... You know, it had funny dialogue, uh, the gothic scenery was definitely in there. Um, I just thought it was very lovable and entertaining. Um, and, you know, there's the elements of the satire and horror thrown in there, too. And I just thought it was a nice blend of uh, those things. So I'm going to give it a thumbs up. All right. All right, let's hear it. 
Pete, do you mind if I go uh, first, or do you want? Go ahead. All right. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I will, for the Raven 1963, after, again, some careful consideration, uh, due to my last recording, I'm going to stick with my original uh, assessment, which was, I, I destroyed the Raven. Um, not to say I didn't enjoy seeing Boris Karloff, Peter Lorre, and Vincent Price in a film together, and kind of seeing them bounce off of each other. Uh, they're just left a lot of room um, in the middle where uh, maybe there could have been some more plot to put in to thicken some of the character development or even kind of build the stakes at the end when the duel came about uh, that I wish would have been in there. Um, uh, It's a very interesting take of the Poe, but I think with all of this cast, it could have even been better if they would have done just an actual adaptation where you got Price and Karloff there and Laurie to kind of bring a real heavier feel to the film uh, so with that I, I'll, I'll pass it to Pete I destroyed the Raven 63 so I don't know what you guys are talking about the original recording because mine doesn't exist Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways I'm going to kind of echo what, echo what you're saying that I also destroyed the Raven and I think this movie has a lot going for it because there's a lot of like like, I guess you could say nostalgia because you have these like three heavy hitters from like old films and you got Roger Corman and there's a lot of likability because they're making you know it's funny it's silly um, it's not taking itself too seriously and it's short but it does kind of slog for me like I, I was just like oh god like I feel like I wasn't really going anywhere for a long time um, and I would say like it doesn't even need to be darker for me. I just think the script was the issue. Like, it just was weird. And I think, like, Vincent Price and Peter Laurie were trying to improve on it by improvising. And, I don't know, something something fell flat. And I don't know where it was. It just, I don't know. I just needed to have an overall better story. And, it, again, that's hard to do because it is a poem. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of a hard criticism because it's pretty hard to do, but that's how I feel. That's yeah. <laughs> fair, and it, it's hard to make it, you said, into a, fil- uh, a film, this short poem. But uh, one of Richard Matheson's, the screenwriter, he even said he thought it was funny they were trying to make this poem into a film and found it so absurd that the only way you could make it into a film was to kind of make it a comedy. And that's why he kind of went in a different interpretation of it. So that's yeah. partially his fault. Um, he just wanted he, he just wanted <laughs> it to be different when he was writing it. But you have two destroys and one defend. One of our... Never mind. We've been shaking it up pretty recently. We, there's, there's been a lot of unanimous defender destroys recently. So Yes, there yeah. has. There has been a lot of disagreements yeah. lately. We can't always agree. Exactly. For the sake of the podcast, we can't always agree. (laughs) Yeah, so if you want to watch this film, uh, I watched it, I think, on Google Play. It's on, you can rent it on iTunes and YouTube, uh, probably Amazon as well. Uh, Is there anywhere else you guys found it that you watched it? I got that. I got that on Daily Motion. It wasn't on Daily Motion? I owned it. Okay. (laughs) I owned it on Blu-ray. <laughs> or you can just own it. <laughs> From Screen Fact. Yeah. 
from Scream Factory. Yeah. You can just <laughs> buy it outright or find it on Daily Motion. So that's where you can check out this film. Um, but until next time, get us on Facebook or Twitter, on social media, if you want us to do a full-length episode or a mini-episode of something that you'd like, or if you'd like uh, us to do anything really on the podcast, let us know. Uh, we like to hear from you guys. And subscribe to us on iTunes, wherever you listen to us. Um, that helps us out. But until next time, I'm Matt Johnson, and I will remain in those shadows. I'm Peter Hansen, and this movie is Nevermore. <sighs> he took my, um, I'm going to take Eric back. <laughs>